Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. <laughs> Why did you start this podcast? Just Why did you start this podcast? Just cups. Why did Just you start it? Well, Ryan, Ryan, I'm 42. I'm not going to win a cup within four years. If you so sign someone who's 42, you should sign someone podcast. young. There's one thing we are definitely not. It is a win now podcast. <laughs> not a win now podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast from Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Back in Podcasting the from an undisclosed location somewhere Ooh. in the United Ooh. Kingdom. Oh, what the writers of today get up to. So yeah, I'm podcasting from an undisclosed location somewhere in the British Isles. I'm sure you can hear the patriotism <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> I, I've got nothing. Um, should we do some admin? Let's do it. How are you, by the way, before we start? Yeah, I'm all right, man. It's uh, grey and gloomy, and uh, winter has definitely arrived. Uh, yeah, some admins. First of all, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can. We hope everyone who celebrated Thanksgiving had a lovely time. Yes. And also, happy Hanukkah to everyone celebrating this week. Indeed. Hope it's filled with joy and a lot of love. There are just a few days left to purchase Stadio Number no. 8 sweatshirts, and then they are gone. All proceeds will be donated to the Trustle Trust, supporting UK food banks and helping to eradicate food poverty. Go to weareprintsocial.com forward slash stadio. Weareprintsocial.com forward slash stadio. You can also buy the tote bags, which 
getting left up, left behind a little bit. Poor Toads. They are. Everyone's excited by the Poor number eight sweatshirts. Toads. The number eight. We should put an eight on the back. I oh, know, I should have put the eight, yeah, eight on we the should have, yeah. And then, yeah, oh God. <laughs> Existential <laughs> toe, that's what we should have called it. We live and we, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Damn it. Oh, well. Other bits of admin. Wrighty's house up this week. Uh, Jeanette and Flo will be joining Wrighty. On, that will go up on Wednesday. Stadio will be back on Thursday as well because it is in England, an English avoca, as the Germans call it. Midweek round of Premier League games. There's also Copa del Rey midweek and there's also some Serie A as well. There's quite a lot of stuff going on midweek. But yeah, other than that, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and view, please do so. Be very kind. I think that's everything. So today, I'm going to talk a bit about the main Premier League game of the weekend, which was very intriguing. We'll touch on the Copa Libertadores final. Uh, we'll do a quick roundup of some stuff that we thought was pretty cool this weekend, football-wise. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Tracy Crouch government-led ban review. Or fan-led government review? Fan-led government government review. God, just giving the government way too much credit there. What the hell? (laughs) So, if you're ready, Musa Okonga. Am I ever ready? You know, I'm always, no, I'm always ready. No, I'm always ready. I'm always ready. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Let's go to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea won, Manchester United won. I really enjoyed this game. I didn't, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Did you not? No, not really. What? Everyone was going on about how, look at the pressing. Look I at wasn't, the pressing. No I, no, I wasn't enjoying it at all. I think I wasn't enjoying it because... Um, Manchester United barely touched the ball in the first half. Was that only like, a beachside property? Like, oh it's like only a beachside property. And then you're like, at what point is the cliff I'm living on going to collapse? <laughs> and that's why I didn't enjoy it. Everyone's like, oh, wow, look amazing. Look, that cliff, that house might fall into the sea, but it's not so much fun if you're living in the house. And, you know, the first... The first Sorry, what? Five, yeah, because my agitation in this game, look, don't forget that Chelsea came at Manchester United very early and very, like, yeah. acutely. And they came down the left-hand side with an absolute reckless abandon because they must have identified that one Bissaka is extremely good at defending, but the right side as a whole is not so good at playing out. Mm. And they targeted that flank like nothing else. So even though Reese James has been the outstanding fullback for Chelsea, he didn't have that much of the ball in the first 25 minutes, half hour. Mm. It's all down the left. And I got nervous because Callum Hudson-Odoi was basically Chelsea's probably most informed playmaker against a struggling flank for us. And mm. the reason I didn't fully enjoy this game is because by the time we started doing well, I was still so stressed I couldn't fully relax. So that's why I didn't enjoy it. It's not that we didn't do lots of great things. That was my very specific reaction to proceedings. I, th- I found the uh, the aftermath of this game quite interesting because 
one more of those Chelsea t- chances goes in, and I think people are talking about this game in a very different way. See, in I'm already talking different way. I'm already talking about the game in that way. If I'm yeah. honest, just because of the you know Chelsea. First of all, credit to them, outstanding start. I say the first 15 minutes in particular, 15 so 20 good. minutes, so good, so good. The attacking quality, the combinations, the isolation, the way they combined, the way they went solo. The way they could, think about Chelsea. They can come at you solo. They can come at you in packs, and they did that so well. And credit to De Gea for getting his angles right in so many cases. They were talking about Hudson-Odoi not scoring that early chance, but I give, I tend to give credit to keepers because keepers are doing a lot of things mm. that make strikers missing chances look worse than they are. Mm. Often when a striker goes too high, it's because the keepers closed all the space beneath them. And I think in a case like this, De Gea, one thing he's always been really, really good at is spreading his body and using his legs. Yeah, same with his feet. I think it's hard to yeah. find a better keeper. Actually. Absolutely. Always, always, which is it's ironic because he's not the best actually as a footballer. No. But he's very, very good with his feet and the saves. But I, I have to give credit to United, and I would say Fred in particular, for really clamping down because, you know, Nemanja Matic is a, has been and is a, as a superb player technically, not the most mobile. And if you'd said to me prior to this game, if you'd said to me maybe eight months ago, you know what, Fred will actually be the most tactically astute of the three players in that midfield, I might have said, oh, I can't see that. But it's credit to Fred, both his own play, um, the work he's done with the Brazil national team where he's been really impressive mm. and just generally his like mental strength, resilience, that he emerged as I would, I would say as good a player that United put out on that pitch. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought he's also, I his, he, he, he did an incredible act of sportsmanship towards the end of the game where Edward um, Mendy just rolled him the ball and he just said, have it back. Good vibes. <laughs> it's like, oh, you didn't mean that. You know, like when you play a kickabout, oh, no, 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 you didn't mean yeah. that. No, we don't want to score. And no, I would not score that. It's not fun. It's not fun if you've, no, 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 just have it back. Just have it back. Fred had one. He also had the funniest moment of the game, in my opinion, where um, he nutmeg, uh, was it, I think, was it Rudiger? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it, it was. Appealed, it was Rudiger. Yeah. Appeal, appealed for a penalty. Rudiger had a real journey of a game. Yeah. Nutmegged him and then, like, appealed for a penalty. And I was like, do you really think that's a penalty or are you just frustrated that you finally got a touch in the final third? <laughs> like, it's ended like this. I did all the hard um, work. I megged him in the box. Yeah, but also, but also to get high, for Fred to get that high at the pitch, if someone had said to you that Fred will be bursting into the box like that, if someone had told you after 15 minutes that there'd be a point where United were bursting that deep into the box, you'd have said no way because it looked like an absolute onslaught for the first 15, 20. And this again is not criticism of United. It's more that they set up in a particular way because we know what Chelsea have been doing. If you're coming mm. off the back of a 4-0 win over Juventus, then it doesn't make sense to come to Stamford Ridge and play on the front foot. It makes sense to have, you know, Bruno Fernandes as a false nine as opposed to Cristiano Ronaldo and just have some attempt at pressing. And the pressing wasn't always the most coordinated, but it was actually fairly spirited. But it was a lot more coordinated than it has been. I agree. I agree. No, I agree. I completely agree. That was quite impressive from Carrick, actually, yeah. I think. It, it, Picking it a was, side, it was. Yeah. making a big call drop from Ronaldo. Mm. Such a big call that all the big boys were like, Michael Carrick could never have made this call on his own. This has to have been Ralph Rangnick. Yeah, because it's not as if Michael Carrick played in a team with a 4-6-0 with a fluid front three and a false nine. It's not like he won an actual Champions League playing with a false nine. He's not like he was one of the most intelligent midfielders that Manchester United have had in the last 25 years. Yeah, all of a sudden he's being mind controlled. I mean, my, how does Michael Carrick feel? Like, I know. <laughs> you, you get brought into the club to replace Roy Keane and you take his actual shirt number and everyone's going, yeah, you can't play football. And you win an actual Champions League. 
And when you do something actually tactically interesting that ends up getting your team a point, a very tough ground and scoring only the fifth goal against Chelsea in the Premier League, mm-hmm. is somehow you're being mind controlled by someone from overseas. Because God forbid an actual English footballer and manager could have the brains. <laughs> <laughs> and the Whoa, independent I thought. think Moose has just descended into proper football man territory. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, God what's he forbid. done? What's he done? He's not done the Premier League. <laughs> Why none of the big clubs coming for him? Hey? Well, all I'm saying I mean, is he's I not done it in the Premier League, though. Moose has he done it in the Premier League? You know, I think he's made. A- I don't know. He's <laughs> saying fucking Hoffenheim. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think that I think that Michael you Carrick is made football bad. I think he's made a good. I think he's making a good case for being retained by whoever comes in net. But if it is Rangnick. Gonna let you behind the curtain a little bit. Yes, <laughs> we'd literally just stopped recording and saw that Ralph Rangnick has been confirmed as Manchester United's new interim manager. We don't know whether he's going to be in the dugout for the Arsenal game, but we do know that we recorded this and we've chopped it into the middle of the podcast. Can I say this as well for Michael Carrick? It's magic. And now his watch has ended. Oh. He retires. Unde- he retires undefeated. <laughs> I don't think he's made a bad case for. Oh, to be honest, I think he's just having a look around. I think just having him hang around. Yeah, I think he's absolutely perfect because Michael Carrick strikes me as someone who is self-assured enough to know what he's talking about, but also working alongside Randnick. He can defer as well. Yeah, he can is a really, really big look for for Carrick. I think Rangnick will actually really like him. Like, I just and get also, the impression like, that those two would click quite well because he's not. How he long has Carrick? Yeah, how long has he been wanting to do that? Exactly. How long has he been wanting to try this? And no, to be fair to Solskjaer, Solskjaer tried a full nine with Lingard. I think Lingard should have been playing that role a lot more under Solskjaer. This is my view, always will be. But this is, um, you know, I always felt that when Carrick took over for the interim period, we'd see some really interesting tactical tweaks. And this is mm. one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really nice. I think it was a really, really brave call. And if, if United have got, had got hammered off this, it would have been interesting to see what people were talking about it. Like, let's get real with the chances that the chances that occurred. Chelsea should have won the game. They should have, they won should it. have without question. Without they question. should have scored two at least three. Yeah, at least yeah. two, probably three. Yeah, but I think the the way that Manchester United adapted because I haven't really seen Manchester United play like this this season. Where the only real kind of like rogue element in there was Bruno Fernandes when he had that absolute horror pass from like the left back position when he tried to like play a crossfield ball, which. Even at school, we were told never to do that, right? Scuffs it into the middle of the park and concedes a chance. But he had a bit of a journey, actually, I think, Bruno Fernandes in this game. Yeah. Again, yeah. actually, he's having a, he's got a big gap year energy at the moment, actually, Bruno Fernandes. Do you know, I have to say, the only thing I worry about for him is that when you have a system which requires a bit more order, coordination, patient play, it's, a, it's, the, it's the Alexis Sanchez thing. It's a concern. It's a real concern. Now, actually, to be fair to Alexis Sanchez, he played the false nine at Barcelona and I thought it was actually quite good, a lot of what he did there in the false nine. What was difficult as the sort of, you know, the nine conventional, whatever you call it. But I think that Bruno Fernandes is going to struggle, I think, as time goes on, potentially. And I don't mean he won't score goals and get assists. I don't mean that. I think that he might find some of the sort of greater tactical constraints a bit more frustrating. Mm. We've talked a lot sense. about Manchester United. Let's talk some more about Chelsea and then maybe yeah, let's sure, loop sure. back to United before we wrap up. But yep, yep. to be fair, although he missed chances, I thought Werner was quite busy 
the criticism of his miss, the volley, I think was a little bit harsh. I, I thought, I think a little, I think Lukaku came on too late though. Oh, he did. He absolutely came on too late. Werner does what he does. His primary value to Chelsea is not goals. Stretching the play in wide areas, cutting early, near post, far post. That's his primary thing. And he creates spaces that other exploit, others exploit. And I don't think, I actually think, you know, Ziyech, I thought he was measured in his playmaking. I think that if anyone would have gone, I would have thought it would be Ziyech for Lukaku, actually. Player two up top. I think so. Yeah, that was where I felt there was a, I think that was where Tuchel maybe erred, bringing him in too late. Mm. I mean, just 10 minutes wasn't enough, maybe 20. And I, I can see why, you know, the, the issue with the United goal, I think really shook Chelsea. Did I text you about it? It was just like it came from a Bruno Fernandes hoof. Yeah. And Jorginho, yeah, Jorginho was just like, what's this? And I think the thing, there is something to be said oh. for a complete, like, this is like a sort of a foreign object. It was almost like um, undignified. It was like walking into a bar fight and throwing a boiled egg at someone. You're like, what's that? It's a boiled egg. This is a bar fight. It was like, it was almost, it was, Jorginho was like, this almost felt like such an undignified thing. And you saw him just grabbing it. <laughs> it was like Bugs Life, man. It was, no, 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 George Edio, don't try and control it. And he's just like, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's funny about this? I think this goal is so amazing, not only from a poetic point of view, but um, it felt like two footballing ships passing in the night because you had mm. Jorginho, obviously, who's had this incredible year. Um, and he was even now scoring penalties again and going low again, which is interesting. Um, and then he had Sancho. He's had a tough few months. Two and, and it was two almost like Sancho's at the, and, and two very important goals. Like yeah, very important. Goals. If you had to name, actually, here's a hot take. If you had to name the top five most important goals in Manchester United's season, he has a claim to have two of the top five. The Villarreal goal was a crucial, crucial goal, a clincher really. And then this one and the finish. Not many. Not many forwards sit down, Edward Mendy. I was convinced he was going to square it for Rashford. Absolutely convinced. I didn't think he was at all. There's a, there's a particular aura that forwards have and they go on a break. And Pete Cristiano Ronaldo had this actually in 2008. Mm. When they're going to a goal, their body language is such that the person square with them may as well be invisible. The whole energy from Sancho was like, I got this. Which is quite remarkable considering the few months he's had. Just goes to show if a player... An elite player, once they click back into form, it's like they were never out of it. Mm. And the slight frustration with Sancho is, we know this is what he can do regularly, but he needs to be given the infrastructure to do it. But mm. very quickly back to Chelsea, um, Rudiger, I love that role that he plays. Oh my uh, God. Mayo called it, Quadri called it, uh, buccaneering. He's buccaneering. <laughs> it's funny, it's really interesting. It's actually quite a weird, not a weird thing. So he basically is like, he's right-footed, but he approaches primarily down on the left. Mm. And he doesn't do this. He kind of like punches the ball forward out of his feet. And he doesn't even necessarily always play. He plays like he's very good long passer, slightly underrated long passer. But he's basically been given room to kind of just like surge forward because he loves passing left, but it also allows him to see the entire pitch square side on as a playmaker. Mm. Does that, that make shot sense? It as well in the first half. Oh my goodness! Unbelievable. Do you think he should have done better for that one at the end? Um. <sighs> It's he easy to correct. Yeah, actually, no, 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 he should. He should. With his technique. He yeah. He's good with enough. With his technique and, and the form, exactly. The technique he has and the form he's in, he should have done a lot better, I think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, are we going to talk about the Ronaldo thing? Do we need to? Do you know what? It's funny. He was starting on the bench, but I think it was, I don't think it was Carrick making a statement. It was smart. It was really smart because if, the problem is, needed, if, you, yeah. if you invite pressure in central areas, it's better to bring Ronaldo on when the team 
is more when the when the Chelsea team is more tired. It makes more sense actually for Ronaldo. It's not the most pleasant thing to experience, but in terms of how we can be most effective, because he'd be chasing the ball for the first. Let's be honest. Anyone who starts as a striker would be chasing the ball for the first whatever anyway. And is that the best use of his energy? Mid late, you know, mid late thirties. It's not the best use of his energy, I don't think. In order for him to excel. For the rest, you need like a different type of energy. And I, I'm interested in how they might use Lingard. I think it's a bit too late maybe in his time at United to get into the team more. I think his ultra high energy is a good contrast, I think. I've got a funny feeling that Rangnick might really like Lingard. Of course. Why wouldn't he? He's, he's, mm. I think he's, he's just, look, Lingard in the right squad has a hell of a lot more minutes. Mm. I think that someone like Tuchel would use Lingard a bit more actually. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, so Chelsea top of the league by a point over Man City who uh, beat West Ham in a snowy Etihad stadium. And there was uh, obviously Burnley Spurs was called off because of snow. Manuel Lanzini got a goal back for West Ham right at the end of this game. That was absolutely incredible. There were some what great goals off the bar this weekend. There was a great one in Milan Sass actually that we'll talk about in a little bit. But, oh um, my goodness. Oh my God, what a goal. That goal's funny because the bar almost moved. Yeah, that came, in so, as well. that came in so hot. That came yeah. in so hot that the crossbar almost moved. It was like, I want no part of that. But City were just very, very good, very patient. Conditions were really tricky at the Etihad. And I think mm. they did well to come through that because West Ham, as we've seen this season, are no slouches. And especially in big games, you know, they don't roll over. No, not at all. Yeah, I think that's a nice tidy win. And that means that Arsenal, who beat Newcastle, are level on points with West Ham. Almost as if Arsenal did really good transfer business. Interesting that. Not that I, you know. Anyway, sorry, just to... It's what the mainstream wait, wait. media don't want you mainstream to hear. Mainstream media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liverpool obviously cruising past Southampton. Uh, back-to-back 4-0 wins for Liverpool. Light work for them. Light there work. was a really funny bit when uh, is it, um, Mo Salah gets the assist for the second goal and then climbs up the defender's back. <laughs> He's like on the defender's back for like... <laughs> Anyone that rewatching that when Salah puts the assist in for the second goal, he mm. climbs over the defender's back. He's basically on his back for like five seconds. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure someone's got uh, a photo of it. Big win for Leicester, four-two against Watford. Ends their tricky patch of form. And as uh, Brentford, James mm. Madison as well. Shout out to him. Yeah, Looking came good. out in, yeah, it came Real out in style. a suit. Yeah. T- like collar, collar turned up with his suit <laughs> when he came <laughs> out for his. Uh, Brentford got their first win in six against Everton. Uh, Brighton won the XG battle, but lost the I was going to say about war. this. We joke about the XG thing, but actually... It, no, it's, I check it every no, game. No, what, yeah. said, no, no, no. It, it's funny, but it's also like, Brighton's finishing, man. I know. And th- this is why I have, you know, because Graham Potter came out afterwards. They were talking about so booing because, you know, Leeds haven't done the best. Mm, Leeds yeah. had a really tough season. But the thing is, the frustration at like, they're not putting their chances away. Mm. And the thing is, can I just say this on just to put a pin in this? It's really very, very, very hard to find elite finishers at that level. To it, it, it's very tough to bring them in because anyone that Brighton wants, and Brighton will have scouted them. And this is no disrespect to the strikers they have. I'm saying that they could do with one extra. Mm. Now, like an Emmanuel Dennis, for example, who is at Watford, that guy got two goals against Real Madrid. So of course, by the time he's you know being scouted, he's on everyone else's list. It's just hard to compete with a package of money, you know, transfer fee and wages. So it's not like Brighton aren't trying to get in that one extra elite finisher. It's just really tough. And I'm saying this only because I worry a little bit that the frustration at them just not finishing chances is going to spill to something else. Yeah, I agree. If I've ever seen a club that was so set up for 
an outstanding finisher just to come in like a young Sebastian Allaire, like the, whoever, the young, wh- whoever the next Allaire is. I just, I don't, I'm only saying that because I saw the frustration. I saw Potter come out and address. And I just thought it doesn't feel, mm. but I know I fans are frustrated, but it doesn't feel fair. Like no, they're, they're, I mean, Brighton also, are this, they're this close, they're this close to. Like they're ninth. Yeah. There needs to be progress for sure. Yeah. I think if they can secure a top half finish this season, that's the goal. And at the moment yes. they're in the top half. Yeah. Like, uh, any other Premier League stuff you want to touch on? Uh, just very quickly, um, Villa beating Palace two one. So yeah. Gerard versus Gerard versus Fiera. Just a, just a good. You know what it is? Just two very well coached teams mm. by two smart young coaches who've done the work. I just I love to see it. I just love the fact that's like a kind of like middleweight bout. If that makes sense. Like I love I lo- the fact <laughs> that Premier League is just full of these sort of tactical intrigues. I love Stephen Gerrard's thing after the game where he was like. Uh, Oh yeah, you know it was, it was good going up against Patrick, and nice to come away without my legs covered in bruises. You <laughs> <laughs> said that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. Dean Smith's doing okay at Norwich. I'm beaten since he came in. Good to see. And uh, yeah, and that is the Premier League. Should we take a break and then come back with the rest of the stuff? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, man. Copa Libertadores final. Palmeiras retained the Copa Libertadores after beating Flamengo 2-1 in extra time. Big shout to Abel Ferreira. It's the first European to win the Libertadores twice. Do you know what I love about this? It's like Palmeiras are winning two Libertadores a year. <laughs> That'd be a quiz question. That'd be a quiz I question. Know. Uh, it's the first time that a team has, sex, uh, has defended the Libertadores since Boca in 2001. Raquel May, Pete Raquel May vibes, is it? Was that Raquel May vibes? I think it was. He was there. Yeah. Yep. He left in 2002 when he went to Barca. It was a good game, this, actually. It was very, very feisty. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Barbosa was peak Gabriel Barbosa, as in that <laughs> he missed like two or three absolute sitters. Scores the hard ones though, doesn't he? He scores, scores the hard this ones. Absolutely brilliant finish. But Palmeiras are taking the lead super early on. What was it like five or six minutes into the game they were up? Quite early, yeah. Rafael Viga put them ahead. Was it, can I just say, was it fair to say that Palmeiras, although they were retaining, although they were defending champions, 
maybe slight underdogs only in terms of the kind of Flamengo were quite stacked actually. I mean, you know, when you got when you had David Luiz into there. Felipe Lewis in there, Barbosa too, obviously. Like you've got some like Andreas Pereira who had it oh no. Andreas. <sighs> he has been on very much a journey with his career. We can say that. Mm, online from we'll Manchester go, United. We'll come but, to um, match. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go for it, yeah. go for it. So the crucial well, the deciding moment in this game comes five minutes into extra time when Davison and Dave. <laughs> Like a funny dude, like a forward, a forward who also took a massive dive when touched by the referee. This was incredible. Yeah, incredible. This incredible. Was, I mean, I, it was so incredible that I thought he was winding the ref up. You know what? The ref could have given him a red card for that. He could have. He could have actually. I mean, it wouldn't have I mean, been outside the bounds of. The, does, I, does, does, is there anywhere in the laws that says simulation has to come from a player to player contact? It would have been a classic situation where we could have said. Haven't seen them given, but I absolutely understand it. Like it's, you would not, yeah. So, um, but what if the ref had uh, stopped a goal scoring opportunity? What happens to the ref? I would love it if the ref had like fallen over clutching his own face. That would have been incredible. But so yeah, so um, the crucial moment in this game comes um, five minutes into extra time when Andres mm. Pereira, for no good reason, well, it's just it was just, no, it was a fumble tired, piece of control, tired, tired touch, yeah. I think tie touch maybe it was that yeah because he had been on he had been on the entire game mm. it was a pretty like intense match as these games are and to be honest they're not always the best spectacles I found the last sort of the last three finals I've watched it's where the, st- the stakes again like these major finals I was re-watching the UEFA Champions League final the um the 1998 Real Juventus which is a it's a tough watch Ryan and it's the sheer intensity of these of these games mm. but I know that both Palmeiras and Flamengo had won one each in the last two years. But prior to that, neither of them had won for that long. So, you know, the absolute pressure and also like, you know, fans are back and everything, like the absolute pressure of this fixture means that the football isn't always the best. Um, and it was an intense game. And Pereira, there's this awful moment when he realises the ball's gone and Davison is through and puts, Davison puts in a nice finish bottom corner. The way he falls onto his back. Mm. Like often you see players when they've messed up chasing back but it's gone. He's shattered. And it, it's very rare that you see a footballer psychologically and physically broken in real time. But that was, I felt so sorry for him. I was almost like, dude, just don't even go back to the dressing room. Just, just, he's on loan as well. That's the worst thing. He's on loan. I know. I just think that maybe in this particular case, I think it's the pressure. And this is now, this is now Palmeiras's third Libertadores. They got their yep. first, I think in was it late nineties, 1999. It was 1999. Intercontinental Cup final. But yeah, just a, an incredible couple of years for them. They've really, um, they've come up big. And it's always tough to defend a title like this. Mm. But like, as you said, with the record, of, uh, it's tough to defend anything of this, of this magnitude. It's the eighth Brazilian winner of the Libertadores in the last 11, I do believe. Wild. And the, the, the biggest winner, I think, is still Independiente, but they're a long way from ever mm. returning to the, the mountaintop. But yeah, shout out to Palmeiras. Yeah, big, big props to Palmeiras. Uh, let's return to Europe. Where do you want to go? Let's do a quick uh, run, run run through of some key... I'd like to start Serie A very quickly, if I let's may. Let's start in Serie A. Two huge results. Well, three huge results. Um, in order of magnitude, Atalanta beating Juventus 1-0. I would say that was actually the third biggest result. That's the first yeah, time... Yeah, see, I, d- I don't actually think this is the... In terms of the biggest results of the weekend, I think this goes on form, this game. I, I completely agree, but in terms of the magnitude for Atlanta historically, I would say it's the third biggest result. 
Second biggest result, I would say, is maybe um, Napoli beating Lazio 4-0, because that's, again, slightly with form, but the nature of the Napoli victory, and can I say this? A lot of people don't like the Maradona shirts, but I think the designs look incredible on the players. Mm. And the goals from Napoli, I mean, Zielinski doing what he does, a drive from distance, but Dries Mertens with two absolute gorgeous strikes. He's, he's amazing, man. I think the thing that was so impressive about this result was that the pressure was really on Napoli at this time because Milan had lost 3-1 at home to Sassuolo earlier in the day. We mentioned mm. that Skamaka goal earlier. And they're like, oh my God, like they got really, really Skamaka's dealt opening. with. Yeah, they did, they did. Um, but Sassuolo can do that too. They've been doing that for the last, they've been doing that since they arrived back in, in Serie A. Mm. These two have been keeping completely level for all, the whole season so far, yeah, matching yeah. each other's results. This was the first time for Nap- the first proper opportunity for Napoli to break free. Mm. Beating Lazio 4 0 in that way with the pressure on to go clear at the top of the table, I think was super impressive. That, mm. That's what makes that result a little bit, you know, gives that a little extra seasoning. Absolutely. It's, it's really nice to see Mertens because the thing about Napoli is they've done well in the Coppa Italia, of course. Mm. It's really nice to see Insigne. Maybe possibly the season's still a way to go, but maybe like fulfilling his destiny as the kind mm. of like the new wonder kid. And, you know, it's really nice to see Mertens who's stuck around and like his faith in Napoli has been in the whole, you know, the Napoli project in quotes has been kind of repaid so far. Mm. And they're playing stunning football. Fabian Ruiz, the great goal too. I mean, and this is all after losing Victor Simen to injury, which was a big fear for them because he's been yeah. really, really effective for them. But they've adapted and I think if you're a rival of Napoli, the question was how they respond to the loss of a talismanic forward. Well, the answer is they've still got the tools. Mm. And this way, weirdly enough, sometimes when you remove a striker, you know, who's such a central influence, you become more dangerous because the attacking line has a fluidity that's much harder to pin down. Yeah, 100%. And I think know? that's the great thing about Napoli. Like, yeah. they really have that fluidity, which I think can be a real problem for people. And Spalletti's just gotten like, I want to say this, yes, specifically. He has supercharged them because anyone that watched them last year knew they were on the verge of something, failed to qualify Champions League. But what he's done with them... But he did a similar thing at Inter. When he came to Inter, and I think he set the ball in in motion for Mm. what would eventually become... Like, obviously, Conte takes all the credit for the the title win last season. Right, right. Spalletti did a good job of it. He always does. He genuinely always does. Yeah, he just... Same when he was at Roma as well. Some of the best... They played some of the best football in Europe. Yeah, great coach. Yeah. Speaking of Roma, Tammy scored for Roma. 1-0 win. Three straight wins for Roma now. Lovely finish by Tammy as well. Lovely finish. He's doing good, man. Proud of Tammy. Inter, only a point behind Milan now. They beat Venezia 2-0 away. Good win that. Yep. Mm. Would you like to quickly talk about anything in Spain. Remedios win over Sevilla and the headline here is the goal, the late goal by Vinicius, which is an absolute, this is one of the that goals could be of the a season. Big, but also it could be one of the most important goals of the season. This because, is what I mean. It's like yeah. technically and in terms of timing, in terms of the technique, the execution, the timing, it's one all against Sevilla with five minutes to go. Benzema has scored again. Of course, Rafamir has scored almost, of course, because Rafamir, what a hell of a, hell of a player, Rafamir. Lovely finisher. Actually, sorry, I mean, if you talk about strikers that could do a job at Brighton, Rafa Mir at Brighton, I'm saying it, I'm, I'm speaking to existence. He would do a superb job there. So um, ball comes into Vinicius from quite a distance out on the left flank. The chest control is incredible because he chests, he gets the ball and he chests it. It's almost like a beach volleyball type thing where he chests the ball away from the, it's almost like an exaggerated piece of control. Where he chests the ball away from the marker and separates. Mm. He gets like five yards of separation on him. 
cuts in off the left flank, shimmies past one man and then just hits this kind of like, I describe it before as like a forehand pass, like a Federer forehand pass, like a curving strike controlled with power, but primarily controlled from the top of the box. Anyone who thinks you're a writer is Sorry, just, it's, just, just, it's a forehand just pass, isn't it? it? I just don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then it's book. funny because you should write a book. <laughs> Vinicius just races over the corner flag and he gets there so quick. He's there by himself for a few seconds, which is fitting because it's a solo yeah. goal. A bit awkward though. And he's just, yeah, a bit awkward, but he's <laughs> dancing away in the corner. And I'm thinking, my man has truly arrived. He's like, been amazing this season. He came a long way from Benzema going, he's not playing with us. He's against us. Don't give yeah. him the ball, brother. Uh, he's he's been us. amazing, man. And we said it really early on that Mbappe not going to Real Madrid was key for him. And Shotty knows. And Shotty knows. Carlo yeah, knows. He's, he's been brilliant this season, man. I'm really happy for him. Yeah. Um, Barcelona beat Villarreal 3-1 at Villarreal. It got a little bit tasty at the end. There was a lot of finger wagging from Javi. <laughs> there was a lot of criticism. I mean, Barcelona Twitter was in, Barcelona Twitter was like, if Kuman had done this, <laughs> I saw a lot of, if Kuman had done this, then everyone would be looking at it like, this is a mess. But look, I think it's, it's so early at Barca and Xavi's got to try things out. I mean, he, he tried it. This is the thing. He tried out Mingueza at right back. Okay. Like, now if you're doing that, you're basically trying to go through all the options in your squad. And it's not that Mingueza is not a good player, but right back isn't his He, play, he played wheelhouse. He played at right back under Koeman though. Yeah, but I, I didn't like that. I thought that might have stopped. No, I didn't say I did either, but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm like, I'm like but, but put it this way, he started Mingueza ahead of Sergio Roberto, which you wouldn't necessarily expect, given yeah, that Xavi yeah, played. Does he, that make his, sense? Yeah, his yeah. place in the squad is a little bit weird this season, I think, Sergio Roberto, considering he's it one is. of the five captains, or four captains. Is there only four now? I think with Sergio Roberto, I think it's physical decline, to be honest. It's not a lack of quality. It's just, that man has put a lot of miles on the clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Multiple right. positions for several years. I mean, that man's put in a lot of work. I don't hate Eric Garcia at right back though at the moment, especially when Arayo is fit, because I think Arayo and PK are, you know, if you're, unless you're talking about a fully fit, fully informed Samuel and Titi, that's the best. I think that's the best partnership at centre back that Barcelona have at the moment, because I think Arayo is amazing. Like, I, th- I agree, I agree, I agree. And I think he's got such presence and he's so dominant on the ball as well. Um, I, th- I think he has he 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 has just as much technical ability as Eric Garcia does, but I just don't think he gets. I don't think he wobbles as much, mm. and because Eric Garcia isn't exactly a super big centre back, yeah, I think playing him right back at the moment isn't the worst thing in the world. That's a, I mean, good, that's a good shout. Penny for Serginio Dest's thoughts though, because but although to be honest, I think for Dest he had more of a prominent role than I think a lot of people, and probably he expected when he came into Barca, and I think a little bit of time out and a little bit of work on the training ground to then come back in. I think he's got, he's got all the ingredients to be a really, really, really good attacking right back, Serginho Des, but he just, he's super young still. I think a lot of people forget how young this kid is. Yeah. That's really not a bad result for Barcelona. They're only five points off the Champions League spots. 3-1 at Villarreal has been a good result for the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, been, you know, yeah. let's be honest, let's be honest. Atleti put four past Cadiz and they are up to second. That was impressive. Yeah. The goals came late against Cadiz, but, you know, the variety of scorers, even Cunha getting involved in the action. Yeah. The combination for the goals, interesting. Um, there is a part of me that's almost like, oh my God, this could be the time of Thomas Lamar's career is going to explode. But I, I, don't, I think he's just going to be... I think he's I think been he's fine a good, I think he's a good, good playmaker. Yeah, he's been good. Um, happier than I think I've seen him for a long time. He's consistently doing things that are like game changing. Right. I think, I think that my problem was, I think I was expecting, because the transfer fee, I was expecting him to be like, a Carrasco, but he's not a Carrasco. He's no. just a very good 
But he never was either, though. I don't. No, he was. He was. He wasn't really. I think the transfer fee kind of made me hope more. Only because when someone has such a high transfer fee, it puts a target on the back. Mm. There was a part of me who was always hoping that he would explode into that kind of player, but the fault was really for paying that amount of money. Um, but the comment that Correa's got was really nice. And yeah. some of the combination play for Atleti was impressive. They really kind of came out of their creative shells after about half, after this of half an hour to go. But yeah, good win for them. Uh, Espanyol beat Real Sociedad. Poor result for Real Sociedad that. But, um, they're down to third. Were they unlucky with this? They had a disallowed goal. Mm. Um, as the ball came off the ref and the ref then disallowed it. It's the rules I, though. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was involved, wasn't he? I mean, they had the, the chances goal, but... to win the game and they should have won the game, I think. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a disappointing result. Like they're down to third now. Atleti yeah. leapfrogged him in the table. Extremely quickly, PSG beat St. Etienne 3-1. Bad injury for Neymar by the looks of it. I can't remember who the tackle was, but as he landed, he rolled his ankle quite badly, looked in a huge amount of pain, got stretched off. Mm. I think he had a scan on Sunday night and haven't heard the results yet or the diagnosis, but he's definitely going to miss this week's game. Messi with three assists, but... He shouldn't say Messi three assists, but he just... Messi at... Messi at PSG, and we've said this before, it just... It's weird. It's not just weird. It's like... um. What was that movie I was watching where you have the guy who's been, he's been working the advertising firm for the last 20 years and he's just like, he's paying his bills, you know, paying the mortgage and the kids are like grown up now and he's just kind of an autopilot and messy at PSG, he doesn't look inspired. Like, yeah, but he's there for one thing and one thing only and that's Champions League. So right, I don't right. think you're going to see him wildly inspired. Playing within himself. We knew what this was. I mean, what was his expected assist? Like 0.77 and he got three. So yeah. But I, 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 do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It sounds like, uh, it's the same thing with, with, with Cristiano Ronaldo in a way. I was actually more surprised at Ronaldo going to Manchester United, but I think that's because there were probably less suitors for him at this stage of his career. Because remember, this guy's, what, four years older than Leo Messi? If this was Cristiano Ronaldo in th- at 33, it'd be a massively different story. As we saw with Juventus, the money that Juventus paid for him. But I think they're just two extremely odd signings that had a very, very limited number of potential destinations and therefore both of them are kind of playing out in a really weird way. They're both at sides that don't really fit. Yeah, It's hard to argue whether each of them makes the side better. I mean, in Messi's case, it kind of does a bit, but it's like actually the trade-off again. It's always the trade-off. Yeah, so, right. I mean, we're not saying anything massively revolutionary here, but anyway, we don't need to talk about this. Yeah, it's all good. No, 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 no. I see, no, I, it's worth restating it now and again. Well, you know, no one cares. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't. They you really they don't. Do Everyone's like, shut up, Ryan. Do, do you know what they do care about? Uh, the Bundesliga. They do care about the return of Erling Haaland. They do? Yes, the oh Bundesliga, God, I, they care about that. that. Do you know what, Musa? I fucking love that segue. <laughs> 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 the Bundesliga. <laughs> we should start with Greuterfoot uh, against Hoffenheim. A nine-goal thriller in the Bundesliga this week. Spicy. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, oh dear. Greuterfoot going, going through it. But you they know what? Here's are. the thing. Can I be honest? The fans are probably just like, they're just all in. You've got to be all in, don't you? When you've got a team that goes up, oh. that actually, it would have happened to Heidenheim if Heidenheim had beaten Werder that time. Like, yeah. there's always going to be these teams that come up, they get outmatched. It just happens. Mm. It's the resources thing. Unless you kind of pull an union where you just have a wild amount of pull and transfer. When everything, an union, everything has aligned in a very specific way. I mean, in a very seeing, specific way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're seeing though how, you know, Stuttgart last season were absolutely amazing and they are level on points with Augsburg who sit in the relegation, which is the playoff spot. Yeah. Hertha fired Pal Dardai this weekend. 
Yeah. Not a bad result either, but it was coming. When Dardai left last time, they ran through about four managers in a season and a, not even, I think it was a, I think it was a season. It was that season that, that uh, Klinsman was there. That is a tough job, Hertha. That is it a- is a tough job, but you know, you've got Freddie Bobitz there, who's the former Eintracht Frankfurt sporting director, who clearly, clearly knows what he's doing. They've appointed Tafun Korkut until the end of the season, who hasn't managed since he left while he was fired by Stuttgart in 2018. Hmm. I, 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 I don't tough. know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, probably, but- probably, safe, probably safe with Hertha. Probably safe not to know. Yeah, I mean, they're not safe. But so they unpre- are not so safe, unpredictable. Weirdly. It's so unpredictable, that club. It really is. It really yeah. is. We need to give Köln a shout out. Massive win in the derby over Gladbach. Huge. And talk about bragging rights. It was Cologne's biggest win in the derby for 25 years. I was going to say this. When that fourth goal went in from Anderson, I was like, poor Gladbach fans are not going to hear the end of this. They're going mm. to be, <laughs> Köln are going to be loving this. But just such an impressive intensity from mm. them. Kind of, it's funny because they did to like, they did to Gladbach what Gladbach did to Bayern. They just went at, they harried them all over the pitch. Mm. Uh, great result for them. Other quick result to mention, Dortmund 3-1 over Wolfsburg. And the Good reason I mentioned this, for two reasons, um, Erling Haaland with a beautiful late volley for 3-1. But I want to shout out Daniel Marlin and Dortmund more generally because in Haaland's absence, there is a version of Dortmund who maybe you know, a few months ago, a couple of years ago, might have maybe struggled slightly more to keep up with Bayern. The fact that they have retained pace with Bayern in the absence of Holland is immense credit. Uh, yeah, I think their Champions League form has skewed a bit of a bit of the perception around what Dortmund are yeah. doing this season. They've had so many injuries. Mm. And like we said before, you know, we thought that they had enough to get out of the Champions League group. In the Bundesliga, there's still only a point behind Bayern. And they've done that without having, you know, without Holland for a while. Any side would miss Holland. Absolutely. And the fact that they've adjusted like this is really impressive for them. And mm. he's back just in time. Yep. Bayern Dortmund next weekend. Vibes. Leipzig behind closed doors. They lost 3-1 to Leverkusen. Leverkusen were good. Leipzig were not so good. Funny team Leverkusen. You just so don't know what so you're getting. Leipzig, though. Leipzig are in such a, like, yeah. they, you know, they drew with, drew with PSG, they beat Dortmund, then they lose to Hoffenheim, and then they absolutely hammer Brugger, and then they lose at home to Leverkusen, who, in all fairness, are third in the league. They overtook Freiburg. Now, Freiburg have lost three straight games after being the only unbeaten side in the Bundesliga remaining. This was a bad one, losing to Bochum. That's a bad loss. It was a bad one, but it's a really good win for Bochum because yeah. it's given them a little bit of breathing room towards the bottom of the, of the table. But I mean, Leipzig are admittedly only four points off the Champions League spots. And, mm. You know, Hoffenheim are right up there though as well. Hoffenheim it's just you don't know which behind. Leverkusen you're going to get, I think I would say. You don't know. When you get them good, they're, oh, they're spectacular. Very oh, spectacular, yeah. When, when they're on. And they, you know, shout out to Wirtz and Musa Diaby in this game. They look great again. And when, when those two have been good this year, when they're on, Leverkusen are a different team. Mm. But yeah, good game that. So yeah, good Bundesliga. But yeah, we should probably talk about... Yeah, I was thinking about this. The fan review thing. Before we do though, did you see the thing about the Belenenses game against... That is wild. Fika being oh, called off. my goodness. They fielded nine players against Benfica and it was abandoned early in the second half because basically they could it only seven field... Nil, was it 7-0 or something? It was 7-0. They had two goalkeepers on the pitch uh, because of a COVID outbreak. So instead of the game being postponed. I think so before in the words of Louis Armstrong, 
hell's a popping. Mm. This game was absolutely mm. hell's a popping. Like, yeah, COVID wreaking havoc again. Like we mentioned before, Leipzig was played was played behind closed doors. So I think that's the first Bundesliga ghost game this season. The ability of COVID just to ravage mm. normal life at a moment's notice. Let's talk quickly about this fan-led review of football governance in the yes. Premier League. Well, in 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 England specifically, but a lot of it is revolving around the Premier League. Done by yes. Conservative MP. Tracy Crouch. I think it's going to Parliament Thursday and it might be put into law pretty soon, right? I don't know how quick the process is, I'll be honest. Um, All right, so a quick summary. Basically, there's around 47 recommendations Within contained within this report. It's a very long report. You can read it all. It's on the government, uh, the UK government website. Yeah. If you do a little Google search. And it's it's very clear. It's 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 clean. It's, it's very good reading. They've broken down really well. Yep. The quote from the government was that it intends to proceed at pace in acting on the review with pace and power. But official uh, official response on reforms will come later in the year. So it's going to go through a few different processes, and when they do happen, and we have a definite result, we'll do a proper proper thing on it. Obviously, I can imagine a lot of pushback on this, considering actually some of the proposals being quite, I think, quite far reaching. Yeah. Uh, can I say this as well? Can I say this? As I, w- I will say this in this podcast. Having been critical, so critical, with very good reason for so much of what this government has done, it is actually, quite frankly, a relief to read a piece of work crafted by our government, which really has at its centre so much care. Mm-hmm. So much care. This is the thing that really struck me about this. There is, they've consulted the people and that there's, there's more they can do or could do. And I, you know, we'll get into that very briefly, but I will say that fundamentally it's a document where I read, I'm going, this is written with such a kind of sense of, you know, the concern, a passion and a rigour. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of this makes it through to legislation because I think it might get watered down considering how radical some of oh, it, it will. Are. It will do. But I think, but I think it, would be, it would be great if most I, of I this got through. It's an extreme, and I want to just give credit. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to actually, it's a relief to give credit to people in that, in, the, in that government to say, actually, this is an aspect, I think, where you've given us a good platform for discussion. Um, in, my, um, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to read the summary of recommendations. They're split into sections. So I'll just read those so people yeah. get a wider gist of what's going on. Because like we say, we don't have time to go into it in depth today, but we did want to we did want to touch on it because it went live just before we recorded last week's podcast. Mm. Um, so the first is to ensure the long-term sustainability of football, the government should create, uh, sorry, to ensure the long-term sustainability of football, the government should create a new independent regulator for English football. So the I-R-E-F, it will be called. Mm. Um, there's lots of subsections within that. The next subsection is to ensure financial stability of the professional game, the regulator should oversee financial regulation in football. Um, the, a new owners and directors, new owners and directors tests for clubs should be established by the independent regulator replacing the three existing tests and ensuring that only good custodians and qualified directors can run these vital assets. That's a key thing, I think. I think it might be a little bit too too little too late, but Yeah, we, I think we yeah, can this, see. so much of this is the horses bolted, yeah, if I'm for honest. Sure. And also um, the detail in terms of what the test would constitute. Exactly. The, integ- the integrity test, how do you, what what constitutes integrity, but still in in principle, in principle, yeah. I applaud that yes. aspect of it. Uh the fourth one is football needs a new approach to corporate governance to support a long-term sustainable future of the game. Football needs to improve equality, diversity and inclusion in clubs with committed EDI action plans regularly assessed by the independent regulator. 
as a uniquely important stakeholder, supporters should be properly consulted by their clubs in taking key decisions by means of a shadow board. This is really interesting, I think. So I'm going to read the subsections from this one. Uh, A shadow board should be a licensing condition of the independent regulator. The club should engage and consult the shadow board on all material, non-football, off-pitch business and financial matters. The football authorities should work with the the Football Football Supporters Association to upgrade the current independent football ombudsman so that it meets the criteria for full membership of the Ombudsman Association. So I like that, especially if you see what happened last week with Bayern and their, their AGM, which descended into absolute chaos. Yeah. I think it's really important, actually, for people who are so often insulated from fan unrest mm-hmm. to see it. Yes. You know, obviously in a non-violent way, but actually to be face-to-face with representatives of the fan base I just think it keeps people in. I think it just checks people a little bit more when they actually have to face, right. come face to face with the cons, with, with their decision making. Completely and right, completely right because you saw how uncomfortable it was for yeah for them. You saw how uncomfortable yeah. it was for the uh, for Bayern. Yeah, and the president is like, real oh, pressure there. Yeah, you know? so, oh, this isn't this isn't the proper forum for this. It's an AGM. Like yeah. when <laughs> it's, when, yeah. it's the it's literally the forum. Exactly. And then of course they close it down early because they were like, oh no, this is too mm-hmm. it's too much for us. It's too hot for us. It's quite embarrassing for Bayern actually. Very much so, yeah. yeah. Um, the next section is football clubs are a vital part of their local communities. In recognition of this, there should be additional protection for key items of club heritage. And there's a subsection in this that says it should be a license condition that all licensed clubs should include, oh sorry, all licensed clubs should include within their articles of association a golden share requiring de- democratic consent to proposed actions relating to identified heritage items. This Each is what I like. share, yes. right, should have circumstances in which it will not apply. So for example, that could, um, a golden share could be used when people want to either sell the stadium or rename it. Or change the first team kit. Yeah. Can I say this? The golden share, well, I looked at that and I thought to myself, to get that through to actual um, mm-hmm. proposal stage, I'm really impressed and call me like a naive idealist, but this was needed a long time ago. And the report makes very clear that actually we were here in 2011 with proposals and these things were ignored. So this might be- They were there again. in what, under the new Labour government in what, 97, 98? Right. This is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This has been here. This isn't, and this isn't like, this government didn't originate this, but thankfully there are enough people in that organisation that care. I mean, to see the word heritage used, and maybe this is a low bar, but like, Football clubs are heritage. The three things, the three catalysts for this report coming around, there were one was COVID, one was mm. the European Super League, but the, the first one they named explicitly was the collapse of Berry Football Club. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was the collapse. And if you look at like the amount of times that clubs have been in administration, like 20 odd in the last few years, unbelievable. And the talk about the fact that actually, like when a club goes to administration, it's always like creditors first, completely having no regard for all the other considerations, basically like, Let's pay back the people of money to the club, even though those people may not have weird enough the greatest stakes financially, yes, but socially, no. Yeah. It was just real refresh. It was refreshing and a relief to just see that kind of language that so many football fans have been using reflected in the actual report. Yep. And I know that's a low bar because it's still only a report. It's a policy proposal. But as a, as a beginning point, when I saw the golden share part in particular, I thought, you know, now we're talking actually. Mm. Now we're talking because that's like, you look at the Lisa German model. Joker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, I've been on a journey, haven't I, this podcast? Yeah. You look at the, I've had like four different guys as this podcast. When do you not? <laughs> Poor Ryan. No, I'm fine. But yeah, so I just, but I still, in, in terms of the review, 
Mm. Can I read the final two before yeah, we please, 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 summarize? Yeah, please, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. There's final three, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fair distributions are vital to the long-term health of football. The Premier League should guarantee its support to the pyramid and make additional proportionate contributions to further support football. There was talk about like a, a, a transfer tax. I'm not sure how that would work out, but I think I agree with more money being funneled down. Mm. The next one is women's football should be treated with parity and given its own dedicated review. Yeah. Do you know, it's weird. I liked they mentioned it and I also didn't. Do you know why? Because it's a weird one. I don't want to sort of, because it's, you know, it's positive. I think this report, I liked and I also didn't only because, how do I say this? In a weird way, because the women's game is having to be rebuilt, it's going to benefit from a lot of these reforms, I think, because it's too far gone for the men's game for a lot of these things, unfortunately. Mm. It really is. The ship Mm. has sailed. Women's football actually can take a lot of these structures. So I almost like, hopefully some of these principles can be carried across and maybe like they could have said more explicitly, look, a lot of these things, actually, these infrastructures are good regardless of the game they're in. And it'd be, you know, let's try and see which of these you can incorporate usefully. Because I think that, for example, you know, the golden share stuff is just, it's unbelievable. Like I think as that, it's a founding principle in football. And even the stuff about like, um, you know, the turnover and the, the, the parachute payments being a problem. There's so much that the women's game can take from these, can kind of just grab from that. So I, I just, I wish that was slightly more explicit that, a lot of these proposals actually will be applicable to the women's review. So, you know, look out for them. I think yep. that makes sense. Anyway, um, that's, that's, that's only, it's a, it's, a, it's a small point, but. Yeah. The final one is as an urgent matter, the welfare of players exiting the game needs to be better protected, particularly at a young age, which I think is really important. They've covered a lot of ground in this. There's some bullet points on a Guardian piece about it, which mm. highlights specific examples. Mm. Uh, so like shadow boards made up of fans, who must be consulted by the clubs on key decisions, limits on the amount of money owners can put into a club to to prevent unsustainable practices and stop the distortion of competition. I mean, good luck with that, but still, at least I've said it. Set according to the size of the club's existing finances. A reappraisal of parachute payments to be determined between the Premier League and Football League. And if there is no solution by the regulator, compulsory relegation and promotion clauses in players' contracts. Oh yeah, with so other ones we've like compulsory equality, diversity and inclusion plans, review of the future of the women's game, trials to allow the consumption of alcohol while watching a match. Look, the German game has managed to make it work. We're going to try and read the report properly over the next few weeks. Yeah. And when this starts to kind of get into more of a final stage of what is actually going to be put into place, then we'll, 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 we'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep tabs on it and we'll, we'll do follow-up episodes. But as a starting point, I am very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. What say you, Mr. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I was impressed by the rigor and by the care in this, mm. uh, the consultation. I'm, I'm, look, I'm sure there'll be things that people look at and feel that we haven't maybe emphasized or criticized enough, but I felt that fundamentally looking at this, if you think about things we've been discussing in this podcast, Macclesfield in particular, and what they went through and the fact that football clubs should be protected as part of heritage. I mean, I have to say this, you know, as a conservative party, they talk about, you know, values and all the rest of it. I'm like, look, this is, be about it. If you're going to talk about it, be about it. Right. You know, like we had David Cameron talking in 2000, whenever about like the big society. I was like, look, give people the actual tools to be a better society. Don't just talk about it and pass it off. Like give people the actual tools. And this is the kind of legislation if passed that makes that difference. I just wish mm. this, this had happened 20 years ago. And, the, and I, 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 don't, I don't want to be that guy, but it's like these ideas, these concepts aren't new. 
I'm just grateful they've been consolidated in one place and will form the basis of the discourse. I have nothing further. All right, Miss. All right. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That's, you know, can I say, I enjoyed that podcast, a range of content. Dude, if you were my manager, <laughs> I'd play anywhere you want me. Captain. I'd play, I'd play <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> uh, should we bounce? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated. If you can get that booster, I want the booster. Give me the booster. Yes, yes. Look into my veins. Don't forget to check Ratty's house on Wednesday. Oh, the one bit of admin I forgot to shout out is the Stadio newsletter. Go to stadio.football, scroll down to the bottom, put your email in. We don't use it for anything else, just for Stadio stuff to send you newsletters. And it goes out every Wednesday. Final few days on the Stadio number eight sweatshirts. Don't forget, we are printsocial.com forward slash Stadio. And uh, yeah, Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Listen to all the music we play out on. Speaking of which, we are playing out on Willie Scott, Keep Your Faith to the Sky. Just keep the faith, people. Absolutely. Anything you want to add, Ogwonga? Nothing further. I'm good. Lovely. All right, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.